monoclonal antibodies. I don't think there'll ever be a shortage. And I would just say that if this was New York and California, I doubt that they would have changed the procedure for shipping these out. These people will be integrated uh, unfairly, illegally into our country and the Biden administration and Harris, the borders are, uh, don't seem to care. Well, hold on to your wallets because Nancy Pelosi and company up here are uh, trying, to, trying to get in there and, and take as much money as they can and spend as much money as they can. Hello everyone, I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, and joining me today is Congressman Scott Desjardins, representing Tennessee's 4th Congressional District. He was elected in 2010 and is serving his sixth term. Dr. D is consistently rated one of the most effective conservatives in Congress by groups like Heritage, the Americans Conservative Union, Americans for Prosperity. Additionally, Congressman Desjardins has received an A rating from the National Rifle Association, an A rating from Numbers USA, a leading organization seeking to stop illegal immigration. He has a proven track record of fighting for policies that will enforce fiscal discipline in Washington, strengthen our nation's economy, and end the flow of illegal immigration. And this is all true, guys. Like he actually, like if there's something that comes up and the and the entire caucus is doing it, there's always this little group of people that's like, oh, we're actually conservative and I'm going to vote with them. That's where he votes. He serves on the House Committee on Armed Services, the House Committee on Agriculture, is a member of the conservative uh, House Freedom Caucus, as well as the GOP Doctors Caucus and Border Security Caucus, Congressman Desjardins earned his degrees in chemistry and psychology and a doctorate of medicine from the University of South Dakota. And he and his wife, Amy, have three children, Tyler, Ryan, and Maggie, none of which are very small anymore. The Desjardins family attends Epiphany Episcopal Church in Sherwood, Tennessee, where Amy grew up. Scott, welcome to the program, buddy. Hey, Brandon, good to see you. Likewise. So we're going to get right into it because you're voting. Um, talk a little bit about the federal government's rationing of COVID antibody treatments and target, targeting red states, essentially. And as I understand it, there's, as a, at the recording of this program, there's not even a shortage, but they're just targeting red states. Speak to that and also your leadership on the matter in this regard. Sure. Now, I think that there was uh, a perceived shortage because apparently 70% of the supply over the course of a week or two in early September was going to seven southern states, which include Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, Texas, and Tennessee. All happen to be states that uh, the uh, HHS deemed to be under-vaccinated and have governors that don't tend to go along with some of the Biden mandates. So we don't know that it was targeting, but it sure felt that way considering the research I did on the number of doses of monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies uh, that they had on hand was adequate. And they just wanted to make sure it was equitable that they could send these out to other states if needed, which to me is ridiculous. You go where the hotspot is, you treat the people who are in need. Monoclonal antibodies, for those who don't know, is, is probably the frontline therapeutic treatment right now uh, for COVID infection. If caught within the first 10 days, uh, you can treat people with this and 70% of the time you'll keep them out of the hospital. So it's a very effective therapeutic. And uh, we, in the doctor's caucus, we've been following this uh, pandemic closely for a year and a half now. And so, you know, we got a letter off to Secretary Becerra at HHS saying, you know, why are you targeting our states? We need these uh, 
antibodies and uh, we have patients that are being turned away because we don't have enough. They quickly pivoted to say that it was to make sure we didn't run out. They've since ordered 2 million more doses that'll be coming in over the next four months. I don't think there'll ever be a shortage. And I would just say that if this was New York and California, I doubt that they would have changed the procedure for shipping these out. So well, we also authored a letter with the GOP Doctors Caucus, uh, Leader McCarthy, uh, you know, to HHS asking for further explanation of why they're doing this. What are the criteria for giving it? And we had 54 co-signers this letter, and, and it seems like right now things have, have kind of died down on that front. So hopefully we did some good. Well, often you have to give these guys a black eye before they do the right things, and sometimes you have to give them two. And so I appreciate you doing that. Uh, talk a little bit about some of these, what we refer to as red flag votes uh, in the National Defense Authorization Act and, and how that plays out in conference committee. I know so often what happens in D.C. Is, is very convoluted for the people back in the district. And of course, some people try to make hay out of things that you should make hay out of. And some people try to make hay out of things that are probably irrelevant. So talk to that just briefly. And I'd like to also uh, get into a couple other subjects here. Sure. I mean, we'll take red flag laws very seriously as pro-Second Amendment uh, legislators like myself and others. We don't want uh, slippery slope uh, created where guns are confiscated at the government's behest. In the defense bill last year, uh, they, the Democrats slipped in a provision that uh, in certain cases, uh, veterans that had P PTSD or determined to be mentally unstable could have a court order to remove their weapons. This was removed in the conference report, which is what happens when the Senate and the House bill come together, and then they you know, hash out the final bill that would be voted on again and signed into law. And just like last year, they inserted this provision, and just like last year, it will be stripped out in December. So it's kind of frustrating. The NRA didn't score against this because they know what happened before, and it puts some of us in a tough spot because some of our constituents think, oh, he's gone soft, he's supporting red flag laws. Not at all the case. Uh, gun owners did score it, which is uh, the frustrating part. They know that this will be taken out and it won't be an issue. So it makes a lot of people get very upset and worry about something that's not going to happen. Um, you know, I, as you said, I have a about 100 percent Second Amendment rating in 11 years in Congress. I'm not going to change that now. This provision, this red flag provision that everybody has been calling or worried about, it, it will not be there when the final bill is passed. Oh, I know. Occasionally, when we used to work together, you would shoot me with rock salt just to get my attention, just in case uh, you didn't think that I was paying attention to Second Amendment things. Listen, it's expensive to do this, to cover these news stories, to, to build subscribers, and we run on grassroots support. If you go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and uh, click the support button, and if you give any amount, we'll send you two proud Tennessee conservative bumper stickers. Put them on your car. Annoy your friends and neighbors. Stick, Take one of them and stick them on one of your uh, leftist liberal uh, relatives' cars and let them try to scrape it off. It's, it's made of some kind of titanium gripping material, so I don't think that it's going to come off. So if you put it on there, they'll probably have to just get a new bumper. Uh, we also send you this directory of legislative officials. It has uh, the governor, all your state senators, all your state reps, so you can contact them. Maybe about this special session would be a good reason to use this. You can always keep that handy dandy. And if you give $50 or more, or if you give a recurring donation, we will send you this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. This is made of, uh, of I think it's made of, of nuclear-grade uranium. So you really probably shouldn't drink anything out of this. 
uh, to be honest, although it may give you mutant superpowers. I haven't quite tested it out. Uh, now the inside of these that we've recently got are red, which means you could probably put red wine in there and people would think it's water. I'm just saying it's got multiple purposes and uses, okay? Uh, some, some legends say that this is actually the melted down sword of Excalibur. I don't know. These are just rumors floating around. I don't know if it's true. So do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and uh, click that support button. Buddy, we need it. Uh, so can you give us an update about what you're learning on the southern border? We have seen remarkable images, uh, and a lot of that has is, is been censored on social media, has been censored uh, by even the federal government from having access to that. Uh, amazing uh just really kind of lies, deceptions, and smoke screens about Haitian immigrants that have now come through two or three different countries to arrive uh, at our doorstep. What are you seeing and what implications do you feel it has in national security? And also, uh, what implications does it have in Tennessee? Yeah, I'm seeing a stark contrast between the Trump policy, which was build the wall, remain in Mexico, uh, follow legal immigration processes, versus the Biden plan, which is open borders, despite the advice of our uh, Northcom commander that an open border or a secure border is a is a national security issue. Biden's ignoring that. It's working marvelously. People are sending uh, their folks by the thousands to the border because Biden has opened the door. We saw this with the Haitian immigrants that you could only see on Fox News. The images under the bridge. Go to CNN, MSNBC. Didn't matter. You know what was going on down there. They were covering something else except when they perceived that some people on horses were uh, whipping someone who you know that's been proven false. So what what I see is is the Biden agenda working uh, just the way he would want it. He wants to bring people into this country. We know that the uh, Mayoras uh, or Mayorkas, the uh, um, Homeland Security Secretary, said that, yeah, well, 10,000 of those Haitians were sent into the U.S. Well, maybe it's 12,000. Well, maybe it was more. So anyway, uh, you know, he says, well, this is nothing new, but yet we have over 12,000 people that were just released in the United States that haven't been vetted, that weren't tested for COVID, that are being settled in your communities. You know, in Chattanooga, you broke the story about what had happened there uh, months ago. So you were on top of this early when they were bringing uh, migrants from the border or illegals from the border into Chattanooga. So it's affecting us in all states. These people will be integrated uh, unfairly, illegally into our country and the Biden administration and Harris, the borders are, uh, don't seem to care. It seems to be what they, they want. Now, well, they're worried about horses on the border. I'm more worried about the horse's ass that's in the White House, to be honest. Uh, the Talk a little bit about the, the administration has really blurred the lines between federal and state authority. Uh, just in, in the first few months, uh, Tennessee lawmakers in a way, and maybe lawmakers in lots of other states have kind of allowed this steady erosion of state sovereignty, and they don't really push back like they should constitutionally. Do you have any suggestions, thoughts, ideas about how we can protect Tennessee at the, at the state level? Because you can only do so much up in D.C. So much of this falls to the governor and the General Assembly in states all across the United States that want to really see that separation go back about 20 or 30 years to, to where it really should have been in the first place. Right. And it does seem to be deteriorating uh, as we speak. And Biden has, has passed several 
uh, executive orders that infringe upon those rights. I've spoken with Governor Lee. I know that he's in talks with the Attorney General. Unfortunately, a lot of this is left to be fought out in the courts, but that's why it's so important that President Trump was so vigilant about getting good conservative judges in the right places. That will help us in the long run as we fight these battles. But you're right, it, it has to be fought on the state level. Uh, when the president's doing this through executive order, there's not much we can do legislatively, but you know, state rights are sovereign. They're in, uh, in the constitution and we've got to protect them. So it is frustrating, but uh, unfortunately they end up in lengthy court battles most of the time. What else is going on? We've only got three minutes here and I don't want you to miss these pivotal votes. I know how it is up there right now. I mean, good, everything matters when you're in the minority. Uh, so we can't miss these votes. Uh, what else is going on that, that Tennesseans should be aware of at the federal level? I'll give you the last word. Yeah, well, hold on to your wallets because Nancy Pelosi and company up here are uh, trying to trying to get in there and, and take as much money as they can and spend as much money as they can. Just this week, they're looking at uh, a debt ceiling crisis that uh, you know has to be expanded because we you know maxed our credit card a long time ago, but now they're wanting to up that limit and they're wanting Republicans to help them. All the while, they're trying to pass five point five trillion trillion. I mean, a billion used to be a lot of money. This is trillion. We're talking trillions in Washington now. They're trying to pass it another $5 trillion just this week in spending while they're wanting us to help raise the nation's debt limit. And it's mainly a social agenda. If you look at what's in the $3.5 trillion package, it's AOC, the squad, it's the Green New Deal. It's things that uh, are basically a democratic liberal socialist wish list. And then we have a transportation bill that we all agree that infrastructure is important, but about $100 billion is traditional infrastructure like you and I would see roads, bridges, railways, rivers, and, and the rest of it tends to be more Green New Deal uh, other things that uh, we wouldn't want. So the 1.2 trillion is is really a hyperinflated vehicle or Trojan horse to get even more social spending in. You know, if it was a reasonable infrastructure bill, Republicans would be voting for it. But as you know, the politics here, Pelosi's greedy and Biden's greedy. They're trying to tie the infrastructure bill with the social liberal $3.5 trillion spending bill. And uh, because of that, you know, we, we can't even support the infrastructure part that we believe in, but it's hyper inflated too. So uh, that's what's going on this week in Washington is they're trying to spend your money. They're trying to bust the debt limit. And oh, by the way, uh, nationally, uh, General Milley and the hearing with the Senate will be after him tomorrow in the House side asking about the debacle in Afghanistan. He admitted that we have weakened ourselves in the eyes of the world and our allies. And that's a pretty big admission. Senator Blackburn got him to admit that he did directly talk to Bob Woodward for his book. So, I mean, he's playing politics while he's supposed to be our joint chief of staff. Uh, worrying about you know his comments and books, but yet he's saying he wants to remain apolitical. Well, I will sleep well tonight. It is 3.08. Thank you so much, Dr. D, uh, from down there in the 4th District. If you ever have anything you want to get out to people in Tennessee, let us know. I'll let you get back to your vote. Thank you so much for being here. Great seeing you, Brandon. Thank you. Take care.